Hey there, it's me, Denise Lee, and welcome to the Introverted Entrepreneur Podcast, where we help improve your mindset and your money. And I am super, super thrilled today. I have got a great guest for you. Her name is Tracy Bissett, and she is your coach. Like, you know, I'm a coach, right? But she's your fitness coach, right? To help you get your bottom line in order. This Tracy is awesome. She's got over 20 years of experience in the financial service industry, but her passion, her dedication is to help clients improve their financial literacy with the goal of increased confidence using their financial skills so they can be successful in their financial life. Because don't we all want to get our money together? Just to give you some background about this fabulous lady, Tracy is a professor at the Centennial College School of Business, and she regularly speaks engagements to increase financial fitness awareness. And just a personal note, Tracy is a dog lover. You've got to go on her website and look at her beautiful, beautiful little love. That should give you reason enough to go on her website. She loves giving back to the community and actively volunteers with Therapeutic Paws of Canada, United Way, and Junior Achievement of Central Ontario. And with that, Tracy, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Denise. I'm really excited to be here. And I absolutely am a dog lover. Uh, my, my dog, Rosie, is a golden retriever, and uh, we spend lots of time together. I can tell that dog is happy and I love the coat. Oh, beautiful, beautiful coat. You know, when they're eating well, their coat's shiny and their eyes are just light up. And it's just, I I don't have a dog myself, but I love (laughs) looking at healthy, active dogs. So that being said, (laughs) let's get into business, right? Because this is the introverted entrepreneur, not the dog show. (laughs) Let's talk about just a little bit of background about like what got you into this industry. Cause for a lot of people, they're not as concerned about what you know, but they, they're more concerned about why you love what you do. Absolutely. So I have loved money ever since I was a little kid, uh, probably six, seven years of age. I learned that money could be used as a tool to help you get things you wanted or do things you wanted. And so that stuck with me. I I had some part-time jobs. I had a few little businesses as a teenager, was involved with junior achievement. Then I went on to business school. And then I got a job in financial services. And it was really my privilege to work with entrepreneurs to help them get access to the money they needed to fund their business. And so I worked directly with them for many years. And then I started approving loans for, for different entrepreneurs and across all industries, all across the country. And when I was approving the loans, I really missed working directly with entrepreneurs because uh, over those 20 years, I gained a lot of knowledge, but I wanted to be able to share it directly with entrepreneurs. Uh, so when I left the organization, I started my own business so that I could get back to that coaching. And um, over the, the course of my career, I've ripped apart thousands of financial projections. I've looked at so many different business plans. And um, it's really exciting for me to be able to share what I know so that I can see um, people put it in action and, and kind of avoid some missteps if they can or turn things around if things aren't going as they planned. And it's really personally rewarding for me. When people come to you and they've got so many dreams and hopes about what they want to do, and I, you just said to yourself, I ripped off so many plans up. What are the common things that you're like, oh my goodness, I wish they knew this before they presented their plan to me? 
Um, so it's really important when you're starting a business to actually do some research. So there's one thing to have the idea, but then you need to validate if the idea is going to work. Because we can do some things as a hobby. We can do it on the side and just for fun. But if our goal is actually to make money and perhaps replace an income that we had from a job, we may need to support our families. We may want to hire people. We need to actually be profitable. And the only way to do that is to have a, a product or a service people want to buy at a price point that makes sense so you can make some money. And, and so validating that idea, doing some research, really important. And I know entrepreneurs love to dig right into getting started, uh, but I can assure you that by taking some time to do a proper business plan, fleshing out those ideas, figuring out how long will it be until you're cash flow positive and you're actually making some money, um, how long is that going to be? Uh, that will be time well spent because sometimes people do a business plan and they find out, you know what, the people I thought who were going to buy my service, they don't actually want that or they won't pay as much as, as I want to charge. So you can do one of two things. You can revise your service or you can target a different client group. But by figuring out all that up front, you save time and you save money and lots of anxiety. You know, those are really good valid points. When I talk with clients myself, I tell people to opt in into their competitors' offers or start scouring their website and looking at their price point. And not only that, perhaps even interview uh, potential clients or potential customers to give you a feel for their tolerance level for different price points, what they're looking for, their customer satisfaction. But from like a financial ones, but uh, aspect, what do you feel like people really need to do as part of their due diligence and research specifically? Uh, so it is around pricing, but then it's about how long will it take till you can achieve sales? So whatever time you think it's going to take, it's actually going to take longer. I can, I can assure you that. And so then how much money does it take to run your business during that time? Um, does it take a couple hundred bucks a month because you're, you're starting small or is it a several thousand? And so knowing how long you're going to have to support that allows you to figure out how much money do I need up front? Might I have to do something in the meantime while I'm getting my business up and running? Maybe I'm going to have a part-time job just to fund my business while things are getting going. So it helps you quantify how much money are you going to need to be able to pay all of your bills until things get off the ground. That's a really good point. I have always told people, plan anywhere from six months to 48 months because there's a big variation depends on how viable the product is the demand the inventory there's so many different variables but for some people we just don't tell them to quit their job instantly no matter how much they want to quit their job absolutely and certainly with service-based entrepreneurs usually your main expense is yourself so you do need to make sure though you've got enough money either in your savings or coming in from some source to pay your personal bills. Um, but if you don't need to pay someone else, then that, then that can help on keeping costs contained. But you don't want that to become the way that you operate indefinitely. You, the goal should be to be able to pay yourself a regular paycheck as well as to be able to reinvest back into your business. Now, let me ask you a question. Let's say I, someone's listening here and she scored a $5,000 consulting package. Does she go and spend $3,000 on a new Gucci bag and then $1,000 back into her business? What do you recommend for that reinvesting that ratio between how much they earn and what they should do with their business? 
Well, usually you're going to have a list of priorities. So if you don't have a priority list for your business, you want to think that through. Usually when you're starting, you're probably not going to have a a sophisticated um, customer relationship management software. You're going to be doing things in a really kind of uh, basic way, but there's going to be improvements that you want to do as you increase your business. Um, So it's, it's going to be a different amount for each person, um, but likely you're going to need those funds, not for the bag, but probably for your rent or your mortgage or your car payment or your groceries, whatever that may be. Um, so a good way to think about it is almost if someone else had to do my job, how much would I have to pay them? And that gives you that baseline. You're probably not going to be able to take out that much money uh, right away at the beginning, but you can start maybe taking a percentage of it. And so that can help you figure out out of that 5,000, what percentage am I going to pay myself? But we can both agree that the after you've assumed that you've taken care of yourself, we need to reinvest it back into our business. And I know this sounds so silly, but for the benefit of everybody listening, why is it so important for us to reinvest back into our business? So growth is very hungry. If we think about it almost like a video game, growth in your business, it consumes cash. And so we need cash to be able to keep in our business, to be able to um, get the new systems we need, hire more people. And as we grow, we're going to need more and more cash. Um, cash is the lifeblood of any business. And, uh, and so we need that to keep us running well, almost like the gas in the car is, is the cash in our business. This is going to be a surprise for you, but I want to talk about this. I want to talk about the energy of money. I talk about this a lot in my other episodes where we need to view money as simply a tool, something that flows in and out that gives us the time and the resources to do what we want. And so what I find with a lot of new entrepreneurs is they are so fearful of losing the money they don't take certain investments in themselves. So how can we shift that mindset from I'm, I'm spending money versus I'm investing in my future and I'm investing in the future of my business success? I think it's really important, everyone who's listening, you need to think back to your childhood. And like I was saying, I learned at six, seven years of age how I thought about money. And usually our views are formed when we're that young, even younger. I've had a five-year-old tell me that money is evil. Imagine what was going on in her household. So whatever was going on, that's going to stick with her her entire life. So we want to think back to when we were a kid, what was going on? Were our parents or families talking about it? Did we have enough? Were collectors calling? Were people crying? Was there yelling? Uh, was everything great? Did we feel like we had enough? And, and maybe in reality, we didn't, but our families made us feel safe and, and that we did. So think about that. And then you want to observe what are your reactions when you get a bill? Are you getting this pit in your stomach? Are you feeling anxious? Or are you thinking, great, I, I got this bill because I'm using these services. Now I'm going to pay it. And I know I'm going to pay it when such and such money comes in. So think about your own behavior. The majority of the population comes from this place of scarcity, just like you talked about, like 90 some percent of the population. But we can change that and we can change our relationship with money um, so that we can think about Um, And as a service-based professional, one of the biggest investments you're going to make is actually upgrading your capabilities. So hiring a business coach um, could be for a particular thing. It could be uh, for general business coaching. It might be for financial assistance. It might be for sales, marketing, whatever it may be. But if you think about it, if we had a construction business, we would have to buy equipment. We'd Mm -hmm. have to buy a forklift. We'd have to buy a bulldozer. 
Same thing. We need to upgrade our skills as service-based professionals in order to be able to continue to give the best service and advice to our own clients. So when you can kind of get your mind around it that way, um, you can see it more as the investment versus solely expense. That's so true. I mean, and when I think about even all the things that I spend about, Tracy, I have a budget for my own personal development, you know, including all the other operating costs. So it's so important for us to realize that investing in our business also includes constantly investing in ourselves. And um, as you're growing, that's going to change. So it might be the cost of a conference because you're going to have access to new speakers. Maybe it's a new book that you know is going to help you with your, your mindset or the way that you're thinking about things. And then maybe building up to that business coaching. But I think I'm a huge proponent of business coaching. And I think that entrepreneurs do better hands down when they're working with a business coach. They may not always be with the same one, um, but they are certainly going to have stronger results. They're going to be more accountable. They're going to hit hit their goals a lot easier. You know, I've been on my third business coach myself, so I can speak from personal experience. Let's pivot and talk about accountability, specifically financial accountability, because that is definitely something that I have definitely seen across the board with all of my clients and the people that I've worked with over the years where they have no clue how or where to start by being accountable. And we can talk about bookkeeping software and all that, but let's like drill back to the basic and ask why in the world do business owners have fear of even analyzing and organizing their business books? So again, it goes back to what you learned in school and school system does a very poor job teaching you about personal finance and there's very little on business finance as well. For some reason, entrepreneurs feel like it's something they're supposed to know. And so automatically embarrassment, shame, defensiveness comes up, even though that that's kind of a myth. Like there's nothing out there that says people have to know how to do this already. And and that's a shame. And that's one thing I I really want to clear up. Um, I do believe 100% you need to be accountable for the financial side of your business. Um, But I don't have an expectation that you should already know how to do it. I mentioned I left my, my career in financial services and started my business. So great. Managing cash flow and knowing my numbers were were things I knew how to do, but I didn't know how to make a website. I didn't know about social media. I had to learn. And that seems to be more tolerant and people are more accepting of getting help with that stuff versus the numbers. So number one, it's okay if you don't know, and certainly everybody can learn. But now that you've heard us talk about it, it is absolutely critical that you get focused on your numbers and you don't have to do it alone. That's the good thing. You can certainly work with a bookkeeper. You can work with an accountant. But at the end of the day, you're still the CEO of your business and you need to direct them. You need to ask questions. You need to interact with your numbers and actually use them and your your cash flow as a tool to, to hit your goals and to grow your business. Those are really, really good points. And we're going to be talking more with Tracy Bissett coming to you after this short break. And we're back. Oh, you're still here, Tracy? Oh, my goodness. You love being interviewed. (laughs) Now, the first half, we've been talking a little bit about our childhood and managing our books, but I want to just pivot and talk a little bit more of the nuts and bolts of financial organizing and planning. We talked before we started this interview about understanding the top versus the bottom line in business. For And let's talk about what that actually is and then figure out how that pertains in 
a service-based business? Because I know we've got service-based entrepreneurs here as well as product-based business owners. Excellent. So most people are very, very focused on sales. And so that term top line comes from your income statement or your profit and loss statement, which is that record of all of your sales for a certain amount of time. And then we deduct all of your expenses. So there's this big hype I find, especially in social media and in entrepreneur culture to drive sales to the highest amount possible. And that's great. But the most important thing is that we make money off of all of our sales. And so if we're chasing this higher and higher sales number, we might lose sight of the expenses, the amount of money we've got to pay for everything we're doing and maybe our staff and all that kind of stuff. And we might end up with a loss or we might not make any money. And there's also this belief that if I make more sales, I'm automatically going to be profitable. And that's not the case. So it's more important to actually focus on the bottom line, which is that profit, sales minus expenses. And um, one thing I've seen certainly through the pandemic with service-based businesses is that because everything was so hectic and people have a lot going on, they were able to actually reduce their sales. But because they really fine-tuned their expenses, they were actually making more money than they used to. And so they're less busy. They're bringing a little bit more calm and control into their lives, but they're actually getting more money out of the company, which is amazing. And if things were still absolutely um, gangbusters and everybody was super happy and there wasn't a pandemic going on, that activity wouldn't have taken place. People wouldn't have stopped to take a moment to look. And so I think there's a lot of value when we look at our numbers regularly, we can fine tune and make adjustments so that we can make sure we're driving the results we actually want to support the life we want to have. Because everybody gets to choose how they want to live their life. So you don't need to chase high sales numbers. We want to chase the profit. And if that um, number eventually leads to higher sales, that's where it leads. But we don't have to be on this hamster wheel running to try to just drive higher and higher sales if that doesn't line up with our goals. You know, you gave me a really good opening to talk about something that I've been wanting to talk about. And I never thought I was going to have this opportunity to talk about it here. But thank you, Tracy, for this conversation. It's about the chasing sales. One of the things that just unnerves me to no end is people saying, let's drive traffic, let's run some ads. And I tell people all the time, for example, Facebook, let's just talk about Facebook for a second. If you want to play in the sandbox of Facebook ads, get ready to be spending at least $10 to $20 per day for up to three months if you want to have any real traction. And for a lot of people, that can burn through any kind of profit. Yes, you might get some sales depending on the type of things that you're selling and whatnot. And hope you're spending $10 a day. You've got at least something that's worth $10 to sell. But the point of the matter is... For a lot of people in the urge and the the zeal to make those sales, they get into things that require consistent financial outpouring in order to see any type of traction results. When you're working with people, Tracy, like, is there things that you say, hey, look, unless you've got a certain amount of cash reserves or certain amount of things, these are certain activities or ventures I don't recommend at this beginning stage of your business or fledgling stage of your business? For sure. Uh, So ads would be one of them because it does take a certain amount of months to get the traction that you need. You can't just turn them off and on. There's a a learning process and figuring that out. And you may be able to get the same results by spending half an hour a day on your social platform of choice, um, organically reaching out to people. So you could be using your time. Um, The other thing too is everybody thinks they need a super fancy website. And that seems to be the first thing entrepreneurs jump onto. 
you need something, but you don't need it with all the bells and whistles. Um, because as you get into your business, we talked about making changes to our offerings. We're going to change that offer many, many times. So let's not build the Cadillac of websites right out of the gate. We can spend thousands of dollars on that, but we don't need to at the beginning. And as our customer base grows, we can upgrade our website. We can actually get into a larger customer relationship management software. When you're starting out, you can make use of either Excel or a really budget-friendly software that can help you manage your relationships. So thinking about where am I growing to, what's that timeline, and then try to match the expenses up to it. So we don't want to be so behind that we're always chasing uh, to upgrade our, our softwares or other things in our business, but we don't need to necessarily be one year ahead of where we're going to be because all of that brings fixed costs, which are those costs we've got to pay every single month, whether or not we're making any money. And that can add up really quickly when you think about the way all of these different things interact, all those different plugins that attach this thing to that thing. We can be spending hundreds of dollars a month before we even uh, finish uh, putting everything together. Yeah. And that, that can drain you completely emotionally too, because then you have to maintain all those plugins and websites and all stuff. I know lots of successful young women who are rocking it on Etsy and Shopify. And they, they have all they have is just a link to their Stripe account or whatever. And they don't have anything of that complicated infrastructure yet. So I think it all depends where you're at and making full use of all the free resources that are available online. I mean, in fact, I mean, you can just build out your consulting business on LinkedIn alone. Just have a nice profile, get your bio together. And just like you said earlier, Tracy, like organically grow half an hour, exchange that time and reach more people that way than you could do with an ad. So I think that's really important that people look at all the available resources they have and not necessarily think that they've got to have the fancy $5,000 plus website. And um, touching on what you said about the ads because of how much money you're going to be spending, making sure you're factoring those costs in to your price. Because if you know it's going to cost you X amount of dollars to land this new lead to potentially turn them into a client, make sure you're thinking about that when you're setting your price. So sometimes you might have to set your price a little bit higher if ads is going to be your strategy of choice. That's a really good point. I think that we're always so hungry and desperate in the beginning to get more clients. We're just saying, free this, free that, free that. But we're not attracting the clients that will actually be able to pay our stuff. Yeah, people who sign up for free things uh, regularly, like if, and also for very low ticket offers, um, those are probably not the people who are going to grow with you. Uh, it's fine to have a, a lead magnet where people get attracted and they're getting a list of tips that are going to help them because that's allowing them to get to know you. But when you start um, valuing your services at a low amount, that's how people then perceive you. And so if you're at their level now, they're not going to aspire to keep working with you in the future. They're probably looking for someone who's, who's a little bit more elevated than them. And I know that sounds so intimidating in the beginning of our business to think that, wait a minute, I just want some client, any client, let me just charge $10 or whatever. But people value paying for things the same way we value certain things that are durable and look good and, and, and we're willing to pay for it. Your ideal customer is willing to pay for it if you show that you value yourself. For sure. So it's important to think about that and, and also to think about, am I 
Am I busy churning or am I busy with productive activities that are creating revenue? Because if we're doing all this stuff and we're, we're killing ourselves working 18 hours a day to generate all this free stuff and we're getting very low uh, returns um, back, we need to think about, is this the strategy we want to pursue? Um, because if you have the right offer, you're targeting it to the right people, it will happen. Um, I have no doubt about that. I see it every day. Um, but you need to make sure you're, you've got the right offer for the right person and you're targeting them in the right way. Really good point. Let's talk about, let's get back to fitness, fitness, financial fitness. I, I think about the things that I do and I recommend for my clients is saying your affirmations, doing the top important things first before you turn on the computer, getting your mindset straight thinking positive things, even before we even worry about the funnels and the lead managers, all the other technical stuff, getting your head straight. What do you recommend kind of as we begin our day, financially speaking, how do we get ourselves in that fit mentality for our business? Um, Absolutely. So number one is not approaching sales from this place of scarcity. We can't be thinking, oh my gosh, I need to land them or I can't pay my bills. So that the client's going to know that or the prospect's going to know that. Um, so having that right mindset, number one. Uh, I don't necessarily suggest that people be on their finances every day unless they want to be, um, but certainly weekly is a really good cadence. So carve some time out in your calendar um, to work on the financial side of your business. One week, it might be checking out your bank accounts, what's going on with them. Another week might be looking at your financial results. And so whether you're doing them or whether a bookkeeper is doing them, that's probably going to change as you grow. I don't believe that every um, business owner needs to do their own books. I don't think that's necessary. Um, But if you have someone who's doing them, you absolutely need to look at them. So then another week we're looking at, okay, how were our sales? How are we doing? Did we make some money? The next week might be, okay, things are going well. We want to keep it up. What do we need to do? Or things are not going as we wanted. What are we going to do to change this situation? And so that we're not looking one year in the rear view mirror saying, oh, we didn't have a good year. We're in the moment, in the month saying, okay, what are we going to do differently? If you know you're starting to get busy and you want to bring somebody else on, the final week of the month might be, how many more sales would I need to attract to be able to hire this person? What would I need to do and implement in my business? And can I get that started right now? So that you're actually thinking proactively. If you do have challenges from a cash flow perspective, you're actually brainstorming either with yourself or with a bookkeeper, an accountant, or other colleagues that you know who can help you because more heads are, are better than one when we're thinking about options. And when we know about potential problems that might surface, we can come up with so many more options than we can the day when something is not going well. Let's talk about bringing in team members because I think you've mentioned something I want to talk about. When do you feel it's a great time to bring someone like you into their team, the listener's team? So it's going to depend, obviously. So I'd love to say people come and work with me because they want to increase their financial acumen and they want to build up their confidence. Um, Usually what's happened though, is their business is running for a little while and it, depending on how quickly they've grown, it can be anywhere from six months into it to five, 10 years in. Um, But when they know that they can't tackle this part on their own and they know that they need some help, um, they know that they're going to need financing and they want to be able to speak intelligently with their banker um, because it's important. Uh, Finance is a language, just like if we were learning French or Spanish, another language, we need to learn the lingo. We need to be able to be intelligent and speak properly about it. We want to be credible as owners of our business. And the longer we put aside that financial side of our business, it really does um, 
give us challenges in the future, people won't take us as seriously. So let's, let's throw off some numbers to make it a little bit more concrete for those who are listening. Are we talking about like, oh man, I'm making 20 grand a month and I don't know what's going on with my money or what, what's like the, the typical scenario when you're thinking to yourself, Tracy, this person needs to call me like yesterday. Yeah, I typically work with entrepreneurs, sales over 100,000 in a year. So that 20 a month, absolutely. And that allows you to set yourself up and not have as many bad habits because I work with clients as sales even up to about 2 million. So you can imagine all of the bad habits that are required when you're up at a one or $2 million uh, sales per year company. So get on the right foot. It also helps you then uh, seek out sources of financing and being all already and presentable and, and feeling confident is just as important. So there's the having the knowledge and knowing, but then being comfortable to ask questions, knowing that you don't need to know all the answers, but that you can have that conversation and comfortably say, you know, you just said something. I'm not really sure what that meant. Could you could we go back through that or coming up with ways to talk about, okay, accountant, you've seen my numbers. What do my numbers suggest to you? Are there problems that you see? Are there things that I'm doing well that I should continue to do? And often this lack of confidence in this area really shuts us down and entrepreneurs just don't ask any questions. They, they avoid the conversations altogether. Do we wait until that 20K month approach or how do we set ourselves to begin preparing ourselves for someone like you? I think it's, there's never been a better time to learn about uh, financials on the business side. There are so many free resources. So I think that you want to turn your mind to that. There are so many great podcasts, just like this one. You can be learning uh, about it. There are books, there are webinars that are free. So take advantage of all of the free resources that are out there. Build up your knowledge as best you can until your cash flow allows to bring somebody in um, to help coach you on that aspect. Um, in Canada, and it's certainly a resource everybody can use, um, we have the Business Development Bank of Canada, which is the Entrepreneur's Bank. They, for instance, have business um, plan templates. They've got even a financial money game on there that you can go through and practice your financial management knowledge, uh, all free, available for entrepreneurs. So it provides a really great opportunity for you to get that knowledge at your pace while still not um, taxing your budget. Because there is a, a period in time you've got to just be super tight on all your expenses as you grow the business and get it off the ground. Well, Let's talk about the free wishes that you have to offer, Tracy. What do you got to offer? What's on your plate? So we've talked about having that regular meeting with yourself. That weekly meeting is a great cadence. I've got a money meeting agenda to help you get started. For many listening, it might be the very first time you're sitting down to, to review those financial results. So if you head over to cashcoach.biz, you can download that money meeting agenda and you get, get, get started right now. Uh, so you don't need to wait for anything else to happen in your life or in your business. You can grab that money meeting agenda at cashcoach.biz. Cool, cool, cool. Is there something that I can find more about you on any particular uh, social channel that you've got some really great resources to share online? So if anybody has questions or comments, love for you to reach out on LinkedIn. Uh, it's Tracy with an E and Visit with two S's, two T's. If you grab that money meeting agenda, you're going to be right onto my website. You're going to find um, uh, YouTube channel, podcast, all kinds of stuff there that will be certainly very, very helpful for you. 
We're going to keep the the conversation going and not just stop right now because financial fitness is ongoing, just like mental health fitness and physical fitness. This is not something that we need to neglect in our business. Is there something that you just wanted to scream from the rooftops and let everybody know that's so important about just money management or financial fitness or anything in general that you want to share? Two things. So one, we've talked about making sure you're focused on those bottom line results, your profit versus just the sales. And the second is that we're on a financial fitness journey, just like you mentioned, Denise. So we're going to continue to learn. We're going to keep making mistakes. I want everybody to remember that you need to be kind to yourself when you're on this journey. So you're going to take some steps off the path. You're going to maybe take two steps backward, but get back on every day, try to learn something new. And so have kindness and patience with yourself on your, your business financial fitness journey. That's so beautiful. We all need to be kind and patient with ourselves. It is a destination. It's a marathon. It is not a sprint. And the more that we can be kind and gentle toward ourselves, I think that we can enjoy the process a lot better and impact more people because how in the world can we help people if we're feeling coming from an energy of scarcity and stress and fatigue? Absolutely. And uh, I know that when people are worried about their finances, they're not focusing on their customers or their prospects. They've got one eye on the money all the time. And that's not a great way to live. It it feels um, really stressful. You're really anxious. And and the goal of financial fitness is so you can get back to doing what you do best and serving your clients. Well, thank you so much for your time. And just going to recap again, where can people find you? Uh, LinkedIn, best place to um, to d- drop me a note, send me some comments, Tracy with an E, Bissett, two S's, two T's, or you can grab that money meaning agenda at cashcoach.biz. Thank you again, Tracy, so much for your time. And I'm looking forward to talking with you again at another time. Thanks, Denise. It's been my pleasure. All right. Thank you guys for listening. Take care and be awesome.